Hi, everyone. I want to thank you for joining me for episode 35 of the Mark Guy Show. It's Saturday, January 14th. Today's pretty exciting. I've put together an intro, finally decided to sit down and take several hours of time and try to make this into as polished a podcast as possible. I know that content is what matters most to me, so that's what I focused on pretty much solely up until this point. But I want to try to add some of the bells and whistles that other polished podcasts out there have. So we've got some, uh, we've got an intro music, we'll have an outro, and I'm going to try to start using audio clips in the show as well. Now, I do apologize in advance. I don't have much experience with this. I'm producing this and talking and everything myself. So uh, hopefully the audio and everything works out pretty well and I can equalize it and that there aren't technical difficulties. But if there are, Uh, please bear with me and I'm going to continue to get better and better because I'm learning this as I go along. So thank you for listening. Today is going to be an interesting episode and it may be one that turns some people off, but I think it's an important discussion to have, especially considering what's going on in the news right now. And I've talked about healthcare here and there. I don't think I've devoted an entire episode toward it. I have talked about Obamacare at length, but I want to talk about more than just Obamacare itself. I'm going to start the discussion talking about that. I have a clip from Bernie Sanders from an interview with Chris Hayes to play, and then I want to refute some of what he's saying, some of the hysteria going on from the left primarily. I mean, some on the right as well, but it it's mostly from the left about what will happen if and when Obamacare is repealed the Affordable Care Act is repealed. So I want to start talking about that, but I, I want to get into later talking about this idea that healthcare is a right, that people have the right to healthcare and kind of what that implies. So if you take that to its logical conclusion, what does that imply? And I think that's the more dis, the more important discussion to have right now because this is so pervasive around really the entire American populace. So many people think this, that I, I step onto this earth and I have the right to receive health care. I have the right to certain things. I have the right for cer- uh, the right to certain things being provided to me. And I think this is a dangerous way of thinking. And I think when you start really unpacking it, I think we should see how this really necessitates you taking from somebody else in order for you to benefit. And when you take that even further, when you realize that, how can people live with themselves when their entire ideology is based upon stealing from others? So that's the discussion I want to get into. That's why I'm saying I think this could be a controversial episode, and I am expecting some pushback from some people that listen to this. But those are the kind of discussions that we need to have and have them in a respectful type of way, get our viewpoints out there clearly, and let's talk about it. It's it's not just about Obamacare right now. I don't want this to just be about the Affordable Care Act and what its repeal will mean. It's this grander idea that healthcare is a right that I really want to talk about here. But first, I'm going to play this clip by Bernie Sanders. As I said before, this is from an interview with him talking to Chris Hayes, who's with MSNBC. And they're talking about basically the 
destruction that's going to ensue once Obamacare is repealed, if it's repealed, and if it's not replaced with something else. And Bernie, in this interview later on, I'm not going to play all the clips, but he talks further about how Donald Trump has made all these promises and he'd love to see this magical plan where all these things can happen. And it's so funny that Bernie talks about contradicting oneself and making impossible promises because his entire political ideology is based on making impossible promises to people. But here's the clip. I'll play it right now. Repealing the Affordable Care Act without having any alternative in place will be an absolute disaster for working families and the middle class. What that will mean is that 20 million plus people will lose their health insurance. They will now have the option of privatizing Medicare, making it to a voucher program, devastating cuts in Medicaid, which will impact not only low-income families, but middle-income families who use Medicaid to pay nursing home care right. for their parents. And by the way, it will raise the price of prescription drugs for senior citizens. And on top of all of that, repealing the Affordable Care Act will provide a $300 billion tax break for the top 2%. There's a lot to unpack in that quick little uh, blurb there, but first I want to talk about how he he throws in at the end there the $300 billion tax break to the top 2%, and he laughs as if this is some evil thing. You know, cutting taxes for anybody is something evil, <laughs> and his entire ideology is based on demonizing particular groups in society, and that's why I thought it was so funny calling his campaign the campaign of love and then demonizing others for being a being a campaign of hate or being a purveyor of hate when bernie's entire ideology is based on demonizing corporations and demonizing rich people so the fact that he threw that in, threw that in at the end there that basically oh if we're taxing people less if we're taxing these rich people less that's inherently a bad thing like that that is a con of repealing Obamacare, that there will be a tax break going to the top 2%. And I think that's ridiculous. You know, I don't I don't think that tax breaks to any one particular group of society are any better than tax breaks to any other group. Um, I would like to see tax breaks overall, of course. Uh, but the fact that he basically has a list of here are the pros and here are the cons, and he's talking all about the cons, so there, there's not really a pro list for him, but he's, he's listing all of the negatives of repealing Obamacare. And one of those negatives is that a group of people in society gets to keep more of their money. I think that's pretty, you know, pretty underhanded of him. I wouldn't even say underhanded necessarily because it, it, it fits hand in hand with what his supporters want to hear. But I want to discuss that first. That's kind of an aside, not really important to, to what I'm talking about here. Uh, but he threw a lot of other things out there saying that 20 million people will not be insured anymore as a result of Obamacare being repealed if it was to be repealed and, and not replaced with something else. Uh, completely ignoring the strain that it's put on the budgets of so many Americans across the country. So you have all these states, I'll, I'll put a listing out there of premium increases. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I, I know that Arizona was particularly egregious and their premiums have risen over 100%, I believe. I think they've, over, they, they've more than doubled since Obamacare was passed. I will, I will get those exact numbers out there, though, so that you have them in the suggested readings, referenced articles portion of the website of the post for this episode. 
But the fact that he doesn't point to all the people that have been priced out of health insurance or that they're receiving far less for their money than they were prior to Obamacare being instituted, it's just dishonest, in my opinion. You know, he, he very well may think that this is best. I, I actually do believe him that he thinks he's fighting for the common person. He thinks that he's fighting for us, for all of us. And I don't think he is. I think what he's peddling will just hurt everybody, virtually everybody. There, there, there are some people who get some windfall gains as a result of these types of policies. And I'm going to talk about that later. But it's just... It, it strikes me as being dishonest. It, it shocks me that somebody could reach that point in their life and actually still think the things that he thinks. And he thinks that some people can get a benefit without other people being negatively impacted. And that if we get rid of Obamacare, 20 million people are, are no longer going to be insured and nothing else is going to change. Basically, that's, that's the big impact on people. When he ignores premiums increasing, it's been all over the news everywhere, so there's no way he hasn't heard about this. But I think he does not understand, first of all, how insurance works. He And a lot of his supporters don't either. You know, this is kind of anecdotal, but I was just reading a bunch of comments on these videos as I was getting the audio to use in this episode. And I saw one person trying to act like an expert on the insurance industry and saying that what happens is healthy people pay more to subsidize the to subsidize the unhealthy people, essentially. And I wanted to respond, but I don't want to get involved in any sort of internet argument right now, especially in YouTube comments. But that's not how insurance works. Certain groups of people are not subsidizing other people. What it is, is risk pooling. So everybody comes together. Yes, some people are riskier than others. So those people will pay more to have their risk pooled in this entire group. And the entire group is the insurance company and all their policies outstanding. But certain groups of people, like good drivers are not subsidizing bad drivers. That's not how auto insurance works. Good drivers pay less than bad drivers, but they're all pooling their risk together. But one isn't subsidizing the other. And I don't even know if Bernie would explain it that way. He he sees insurance companies as being greedy and that all they're out to do is screw people over. And what they are out to do is make a profit. But making profits, it's it's not a dirty word. Profit is not something that we should be scared of. And the profit motive is really what has resulted in so much material progress for us. Yes, insurance companies are out to make a profit and they need to make a profit in order to stay in business. And what Obamacare has done is it has forced insurance companies to take on customers that will lose them money. That is what has happened. Now, if nothing else changed, so if we expected all premiums to stay the same for everybody else, for everybody that doesn't have pre-existing conditions, it would inevitably mean that the insurance companies would go out of business. So what have the insurance companies done? They've done the only thing that they can do and still remain in business is they've raised premiums on everybody else. So now what's happening, insurance now, health insurance is insurance like the way this person was describing it. It is now healthy people subsidizing unhealthy people. But that is not how the insurance industry is supposed to work. And the writers of the Obamacare law, of the, of the Affordable Care Act, they understood this. So that's why they put into place the penalty if you do not buy health insurance. Because they knew 
that healthy people, people without these pre-existing conditions would start to realize this is not a good deal for me. I am paying more than my risk would indicate. I'm far better off keeping my money, investing it, and then paying things as they come up. It's not worth it for me to basically pool my risk with these other people because I'm paying more than my coverage um, normally would be. I'm, I'm paying more than my risk would normally be priced at. That's what people are saying. That's what people are waking up to. So that's why they put into place the penalty, the tax, how they called it, if you do not buy health insurance because they knew that this would happen. So they knew that this was an inevitable outcome of the Affordable Care Act, that certain people's premiums would rise in order to subsidize others who were getting a free benefit. And I don't know if Bernie understands this. He hasn't talked about it. He always looks at it from the side of the, of the person or of the groups of people who are getting unearned gains from this system because there are people benefiting from the system. Like I said, I'm going to talk about that later. But he's always looking at it from that side, not from the side of the people who have been harmed. And, and really, who has been harmed? Look at young families, young healthy families, or young healthy couples, or young healthy individuals. And these are the same people who we talk about all the time. Oh, they can't afford homes. They're drowning in student loan debt. This is the poorest group in society, on average, young people. And we are forcing them to pay more in order to subsidize those with pre-existing conditions. That is what we are doing. And if you don't agree to the system, if you don't agree to be robbed, then you're going to be robbed at the end of the year when the tax for not having health insurance is imposed on you. So you're either robbed here or you're robbed there. And people are making that calculation. A lot of people are deciding to take the penalty rather than buy health insurance, rather than be bilked all year. Okay, I'll be bilked once at the end of the year. They're making that calculation, which is ridiculous. And we wonder why young people are struggling in this country. We wonder why we see articles all the time about how this current group of young adults does not have the same material standard of living as their parents. I've talked about that. I don't know if I necessarily think that's true, but uh, because I think it's hard to quantify a lot of the improvements in terms of cell phones and, and computers and all those types of things and how they've improved our standard of living. But you see those articles all the time. So the discussion is being had that young people do not have the same material standard of living that their parents had at the same age. They're certainly not earning as much money or able to take home as much money in today's dollars as they were in the past. Uh, and yet we keep doing things like this that are bilking that exact group of people. And Bernie claims to speak for them, but he doesn't. He's only speaking for those who are getting some unearned benefit. And I think everybody who supports this legislation, maybe not everybody, but a majority of people who are supporting this legislation think that they are going to get some sort of unearned benefit, some sort of unearned gain from this. And let me tell you, in this type of system, your unearned gain is somebody else's unearned loss. And that's what we need to understand. That's what I really want to hammer home in this episode. But it's what Bernie doesn't understand. And, and Bernie does not understand economics, does not understand the insurance industry and how it works. And he's peddling this and people just suck it up. People just, people love it. People think that Bernie is an expert on these issues and that he's an authority. And he just is not. He thinks, listen to that quote again, if you want to go back. He thinks that the government can force down prices of prescription drugs. 
you can't just force down the price of something and not have some sort of unintended consequences. So if you force down, say you try to price fix pharmaceutical drugs at a certain point, say that you can't, people cannot pay above a certain level for particular prescription drugs, you are going to see innovation hampered without a doubt. You are going to see these sort of, these drugs that only appeal to a very small portion of the population. So Martin Shkreli has talked about this a lot. I, you know, I don't know what people out there think of, of Martin Shkreli, but he is right when he talks about pharmaceuticals. And when you're developing a pharmaceutical, and, and not one for cholesterol or for a large group of people like that, for a large cohort, but if you're doing it for one of these small drugs that, or one of these small diseases that impacts 500 people or 1,000 people in the United States in a year, you have to charge high prices, at least initially, in order for it to be worth it for you to put in all the money for research and development in order to develop those drugs. You have to be able to charge a high price. Otherwise, those drugs are never going to be developed. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to be paid back for the research and development that you need to put in in order to develop these drugs. That's how it works. And it's an unfortunate part of, uh, of reality. It's an unfortunate part of life that if you do get one of these rare diseases, you probably will have to shell out a lot of money. You probably will have to go to charity. You probably will have to get help, however you can get help, in order to pay for these drugs. But if I'm looking at two alternatives, I think these are the two alternatives. Either the drug doesn't exist at all because we've price fixed and we haven't allowed the market to work in order to develop those drugs in the first place, or if the drug is very expensive and at least some people can afford it and some people can be saved, I'm going to choose the latter every time. I don't think there's a third utopian option where we can price fix and still get these drugs developed. I don't think that that's possible. Bernie seems to think that it is. He thinks you can price fix pharmaceutical drugs and nothing will happen as a result. But there are unintended consequences, and there there already have been unintended consequences. And we can talk about a lot of other things, the FDA's involvement and the long process to get drugs certified to, to actually use in the United States and how it's forced people to have to go overseas in order to get these experimental drugs. Um, I don't really want to go through all of that, but you can see in Bernie's quote there, he thinks that you can just price fix and control and run it from above and that everything is going to work out just fine that his intended consequences are what will actually happen but i think it's just flat out wrong because he does not understand what he's preaching he does not understand what has happened under obamacare he does not understand the logical conclusions that you had to come to when obamacare was first implemented and that's what the writers of the law understood. And the evidence of that is that penalty if you do not buy health insurance. They knew that some people would, would know, would come to realize that this system is not for them. That they are getting robbed in this system. That's why they put that into place. And that's why the penalty has continued to rise because they knew the problem would get worse. They knew that it would accelerate, that it would continue to escalate. So I don't want to hammer Bernie too hard. I like I said, I I don't think that I don't necessarily think he's disingenuous. I think he just doesn't understand. He's a very simplistic worldview, and he always comes back to a few particular things that he wants to hammer on. He always wants to come back to, you know, maybe it's the environment, uh, 
or talking about corporations robbing us blind or the rich who are just greedy. Uh, he's always going to come back to one of those issues whenever he's talking about anything. And that's exactly what he did here. So I have a, you know, I have a few more clips I want to talk about. And I want to get into more of this idea that healthcare is a right. So next I want to play an intro to uh, Tom Hartman speaking. And he has a show on RT on Russia Today called The Big Picture. It's been on for, I think, eight or nine years, something like that. I think it was around 2008, right around when uh, Obama came into office. And he's very, you know, very big progressive voice out there. And he has his own radio show as well. And he's been a big proponent of the idea of healthcare as a right in the United States. And the United States should join whatever other civil, you know, whatever, whatever other advanced country does in the world. That's how he always phrases it and always comes back to that type of phrase. Let's join every other advanced country in the world and guarantee healthcare as a right to our citizens. So here's a clip. One of the prin principal platforms, as it were, in the Bernie Sanders plank, although this was also something that Bill Clinton ran on in 1992 with his New Covenant speech and has been mentioned, and, and that Harry Truman actually uh, proposed and that Franklin Roosevelt proposed in his in his uh, uh, four freedoms speech or not his four freedoms his uh, second Bill of Rights speech is the idea that health care in the United States should be as it is in every other developed country in the world considered a right you have the right to free speech you have the right to travel about in the United States you have the right to have a gun why don't you have the right to life when the Declaration of Independence says we're, we're creating our nation so that people can have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution gives Congress the authority to raise taxes and spend money to promote the welfare, the general welfare of, the, of, of Americans. Okay, so that was pretty much the best description I could find from him and from Bernie. I searched a few different people as to their belief in how health care is a right. So they, they point to the Constitution— and they point to the general welfare clause. And this is every big government proponent, every big federal government proponent points to the general welfare clause as being the evidence for why the Constitution gives our government the ability to do such and such. It's always the general welfare clause. So you, you heard that's what he pointed to there as the evidence that basically the federal government has the power, has the lawful power, to control health care, to do whatever it wants in order to, quote-unquote, improve the lives of Americans. And then he, he talks about the idea of health care being a right and why isn't it different from these other rights. So he talks about free speech, the ability to travel freely within the United States, and guns. And you heard him laugh. I'd, I will post a link on the website to... An article that I remember reading, I, I need to go back and find it, but him talking about the Second Amendment and how it doesn't actually give individuals the right to own guns. It's a hilarious document. Oh, you, you, you really have to read this article and the twisting and turning that gets him to the point where he's saying that all that the Second Amendment does is give state militias the ability to have guns. 
and for individuals who are parts of state militias to have guns. It's a complete misinterpretation of the Second Amendment. And he obviously has not gone back and read what the framers actually said when the Constitution was put into place. But that's an aside. So you heard that little chuckle when he said guns. That's because he doesn't believe that the Constitution gives people the right to, to own guns. But here's why healthcare is different from those other rights. Those other rights don't force you to take anything from anybody else. You know, me speaking, me saying what I want to say, I don't need to take anything from anybody else in order to do that. That's something that I do. Just nobody else can infringe upon that. Nobody else can stop me from saying what I would like to say. The same thing with owning a gun. I can go and I can buy a gun and I can hold it myself. But I don't need somebody, I don't have the right to say to a gun, you know, a gun shop owner, you need to give me a gun. I have the right to go and buy one and to keep it and to hold it and, and, and keep it in my possession over time. But I don't have the right to just go out and have a gun. You know, every American does not have the right to have a gun, meaning that they can't go and say to a gun shop owner, to the government or anybody, I'm entitled to a gun. You need to give it to me. And the same thing with the ability to travel freely. That does not force anybody else to give me anything. That's just a, a right that other people cannot infringe upon. And healthcare is fundamentally different from those things. So think about, if we, if we take this to its logical conclusion, this is what I was talking about in the intro. So if we think about if healthcare is a right, and I have a right to receive healthcare, that means that I can force somebody else to work in my service. I can force a doctor to provide me with healthcare. Whether or not he or she wants to, that doctor needs to provide me with healthcare. That's what it means when you say something is a right. And when you bring up this argument, I've never heard any sort of decent argument against this. It it, it just goes back to demonizing the person that says it says, oh well you don't want everybody to have health care. And no, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. I, I would very much like everybody to have health care. Um, and I think we get to that point through very different means than what the Bernie Sanders and the Tom Hartmans of the world are trying to force down our throats. I think we get there in a very different way. But I do not come in the world I, I do not come into the world with claims on other people. I do not come into the world entitled to receive health care or to receive any service from any other people. Now, I do come into the world with the rights to not have certain things infringed upon. You know, I come into the world being born here with the Constitution. I come into the world with the right not to have my, my, uh, my right to free speech infringed upon. I have the right to say what I would like to say. I have the right to, to travel within the United States where I would like to travel. Those things cannot be infringed upon. But I do not have the right to come in and say, I am entitled to health care and you need to provide it to me. It's really, I mean, it's, it's really talking about making somebody else your servant or your slave. If you, if you come into the world with the, with the entitlement mentality that, that I deserve health care, that I am entitled to healthcare and you need to provide it to me because it's my right. It means that you can force others into your service or you can force others to give up their money so you can steal from others in order to pay somebody else to provide you with that service. And I think this is just a dangerous and really immoral mentality. You know, I don't think there's 
I don't think there are any moral principles there. If you come in and you say a certain right of mine necessarily implies that money must be stolen from somebody else or that services must be rendered to me without compensating the person for performing those services. Now, if we look back in history, lots of doctors provided services free of charge. And I think people that become doctors, they they tend to like to help people. They tend to be able to evaluate a, a particular situation. A lot of them are very good at interacting with people. And I think they do really want to help people, at least on the average, most doctors do. And that's why lots of services throughout history have been provided free of charge or been provided on credit with the expectation that you'll pay me when you can uh, because doctors do have a skill and they like to use it. But I, there's a big difference between that, between voluntarily providing your services to somebody else who's in need and forcing that doctor to provide a service. I think force is wrong no matter how it's done. I think stealing is wrong no matter how it's done whether it's done by a criminal or whether it's done through the forceful hand of government. I think it's wrong either way. And that's exactly what's happening here. And I think it's even worse than, than a criminal. Think about a criminal holding you up. When he holds you up, he's not saying, I'm entitled to your money. He's committing a crime. He knows he's committing a crime. He knows he needs to put a gun to your head in order to steal what he wants or what he needs. That's what he's doing. He's not there saying, it's my right to your money. I'm entitled to your money. He is committing a crime and he's making it clear that he's committing a crime. But when it's done through this type of rhetoric, through this type of language, it's basically saying, I'm entitled to the fruits of your labor or I'm entitled to you providing your services to me without compensation, without me compensating you. And it's my right. It's my right being born into this world that you will provide this to me. And I think it's just a dangerous mentality. And if you really do think about it like that, I think these people are truly deplorable. I think people that are pushing this are deplorable because that is what they expect. They expect certain groups of people to pay for other groups of people by force. Now, if we took away all methods of force through government and we allowed markets to work, charities would still be around. You know, people are very charitable. The American people, historically, are very charitable. It's the most charitable country on the planet. And if you remove some of the tax burden from people and you remove them needing to pay these very inflated prices for insurance, they'll have that much more money to donate beyond the about $500 billion a year that Americans already donate. And I think I have a lot more faith in people than these progressives seem to have. I think progressives fundamentally think human beings are bad and greedy and do not care about their fellow person. And so force needs to be introduced in order to help those people that happen to be in the worst predicaments. That's what they think. They think force needs to be instituted. That everybody else will just stand by and watch people suffer and, and not do anything if the, if the forceful hand of government is taken out of the equation. And I just don't think that's true. I don't think people are fundamentally bad. I do think people are greedy, but it's, it's different from the greed that, that, that people talk about here. Greed is not people's only motivating factor. 
The vast majority of people do care about others and they balance out that greed with doing other things, you know, with being charitable, with helping people out, with stopping when somebody's on the side of the road and helping them change a tire or by pulling them out of a ditch if they if they go off into a ditch or by taking their Saturday morning and, and going and serving soup at a soup kitchen. People do all those things and a lot of people do them. And most people take some personal pleasure out of doing that because we are a communal being. You know, human beings are social animals and we like helping people overall. Now, are there those people who won't help people no matter what? Yes. That's called being a sociopath or that's called being so selfish and so so self-absorbed that you cannot empathize with another person. That certainly happens, but that's a very small portion of the population. So I think... The progressive ideology basically assumes that people are evil and greedy and we need to force people to help other people. And that's how you need to do it. And I just do not think that's the case. That's where I fundamentally differ differ from them. And that's why I've been saying, and I've said it in multiple episodes, that I do not think that the Bernie Sanders campaign was a campaign of love. I think it was a campaign of hate. It was. It was all about demonizing other people and basically assuming that entire groups of people in the populace are evil and that they need to be forced to help their fellow man, that they do not care about their fellow man. And I think if if you don't believe in stealing, which I hope nobody out there does believe in stealing, you should oppose these types of measures like the Affordable Care Act because it necessarily forces some people to get an unearned gain through force from other people. And I think that's just fundamentally wrong. I think that's morally wrong. It goes against everything I stand for. And I think it should go against what most people do stand for, if you really sit down and think about it. Um, So I want to play another Tom Hartman clip. And this is related to what he was talking about before, but it, it goes to show how he does not understand how all other goods and services work in the economy. And I'll explain that after the clip. And as medicine has become more technologically advanced, it's become more expensive, and paying for it has become, you know, a challenge. Uh, might not have been 100 years ago, anywhere near as much. But shouldn't healthcare in the United States, shouldn't we join the rest of the developed world in, in saying that healthcare is a right in the United States? So Hartman talks about healthcare <clears throat> like it's different from every other good and service, like I was talking about before the clip, that because things have gotten more advanced, the prices have necessarily increased. That's what he's saying. But apply that logic to any other good and service in the economy. You know, look at, um, even within the healthcare sector, look at LASIK eye surgery and how the price for that to people has fallen dramatically over time. And that, you know, even when I was a kid, that was something that only the richest among us could do. Now everybody can do it. You know, now now people, no matter where you are in the income distribution, it costs, I think, a couple thousand dollars. Anybody can do it. Anybody can save for, you know, a year or something and put together that kind of money. Or maybe not anybody, but the vast majority of people. And just 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. You know, it was only accessible to the upper slice of society. So even in the healthcare sector, He's flat out wrong. But then look at something like cell phones that now everybody has virtually. You know, probably 95% of Americans have a cell phone or something like that. I'll try to find the exact statistic, but it's got to be over 90%. And 
Why do you think they have them? It's because prices have come down. And of course, you know, the, the actual technology has gotten so far advanced. Once again, if I think about 20 years ago, how many people had cell phones? Not very many at all. And those that did have them, they, didn't, they couldn't do one, one thousandth of what today's cell phones do. So prices have come down as quality has continued to increase and will continue to increase. And that's why so many people can afford cell phones. And now you have your, pro, uh, your service plan for your cell phone dwarfs, I think, what most people were paying for landline phones 20 years ago. Because think about you had to pay for long distance. So unless all your family lived, you know, in the same, within 100 miles of each other, then you were going to be shelling out at least something each month for talking on the phone to a relative that lived far away, that lived somewhere else. You were going to be shelling out for that. Um, The technology wasn't as good. You couldn't do nearly as much as you now can do with a cell phone. Uh, There was no, you know, video chatting or, or anything like that. So think about where we've come just over that period. And that's with so many technological advances. And healthcare is not different. If anything, the prices should be coming down. As information has become more readily available to people, I think people need the expertise of doctors less than they have in the past. Because now you can search something, you can get a pretty good idea of what you need using the internet. Now, of course, I know that's not foolproof. I'm not saying doctors are not needed. But I think things that... If, if you had something weird that you felt 20 years ago, there wasn't really a way for you to do much research on that. And you probably just went to your doctor, called up your doctor, went in, and 99 times out of 100, it was something simple that you know gave you some sort of over-the-counter type of medication to get. If that even, or may have been, you know, just this is what it is. Don't worry about it, basically. But now you have Google at your fingertips. You can go and Google something, and there are... A million different websites out there where you can look up a particular symptom and if it's one of those 99 out of 100 times that it's something harmless oftentimes you can avoid even contacting your doctor or going to your doctor that's just one of the many things that these advancements have helped us with not only has the technology gotten better doctors have have gotten far more effective at being able to tell what a particular illness is we've learned more there should be more research on preventive care and you know, what we can do to stave off things earlier. All of these things are happening over time. Healthcare costs should not be going up. There's no reason why it should be different from any other industry on earth. And the reason why prices have gone up, why costs have gone up is because the government has gotten involved. You know, imagine if the government had taken over cell phones 20 years ago. Like, oh, this is a big, important industry. It's the future of the world. So the government needs to take it over because it's that important. Imagine what would have happened over the last 20 years. They would have given us the same exact type of language about why cell phone costs are increasing. They would say, oh, well, you know, look at, look at how much more they can do because they would have had some sort of innovation being done in government laboratories. And I'm sure things would have improved. They wouldn't have improved nearly to the point that they are today. But I'm sure that prices would have risen. You know, you wouldn't have had the forces of competition working to bring costs down and just like in education and healthcare, the cost of cell phones would have increased. And what they would have said is this exact same argument that, oh, the technology has gotten so much better. So of course you're paying more now because you're getting more for your dollar. There's more that this cell phone can do than, you know, than was done in the past by previous cell phones. That's what they would say. 
And that's what Tom Hartman is saying here. And that's just not how other goods work. I'm not saying that prices never go up, but prices do not go up like this over time in an actual free market. It's There's not a sustainable huge increase in prices over decades and decades and decades like there has been in healthcare. It just does not happen. So he needs to retire that argument and he's just flat out wrong. There's, there's no other way for me to say it. Now I want to close out with two different clips and I'll, I'll talk about the first one before I play the second one, of course. But these clips of, of former Republicans, or I don't know if they're former Republicans, they say that they, they had voted Republican in the past, and people that opposed the Affordable Care Act and opposed the Obama presidency got sick under the Affordable Care Act you know, after it was instituted. And they were basically able to be saved. Their, li- their lives were saved as a result of the Affordable Care Act. And now they're being paraded around. They're speaking at rallies. One of them is at a rally. One of them was at the Paul Ryan Town Hall. And then I have a clip from a Don Lemon interview on CNN with, with this gentleman afterwards. So that interview I'm going to play first. We're glad you're here. Why were you so opposed to Obamacare? What in particular about it bothered you? Uh, I don't think I really understood it. And, you know, until you're really sick and ready to die, I, you know, it just, it changed me. I'm a completely different person today than I was then, you know. Mm-hmm. I was I was Paul Ryan talking about repealing it before I got sick. I was Paul Ryan, but not anymore. So first I want to say congratulations to this gentleman for being able to overcome his cancer, overcome his illness, and to be speaking with people today. Of course, that's important. But I want to unpack what he said, and he said something very similar during that Paul Ryan town hall. But he, he said at first he didn't really understand Obamacare, and that's why he's saying now that he was against it. I think he perfectly understood it. He understood that he was one of the people being stolen from. He was one of the people being stolen from in order to provide unearned benefits for others. And he didn't like it because he was getting the unearned loss, basically, as a result. And then when the tables turn, now he becomes somebody that needs to steal from others. So he needs to be somebody now that's getting an unearned gain. He's in a position to get an unearned gain. And all of a sudden, magically, he flip-flops. He flip-flops, and now he's completely in support of the Affordable Care Act. And he personally thanked President Obama on the stage for, I don't know if he, I think he used the word courage, for having the, the courage to pass this type of legislation. Rather than paying all the people who, paid radically increased health care premiums, uh, health insurance premiums, in order for him to be able to get this unearned gain. Those are the people you should be thanking. Those are the people that you have stolen from. And I know that putting it in these types of terms isn't the way that it's done on CNN or the way that it's done on TV. And I'm not trying to demonize this one particular individual, but that is what he's saying. Now all of a sudden he's in a position to steal from other people, so now he supports this legislation. And the only reason why he opposed it before was because he was one of the people being stolen from. And I think what I'm trying to do on this show 
is I oppose it either way. You know, whether I'm going to be the one losing from a particular program that necessarily involves stealing from some people and giving to other people, or whether I'm going to be uh, somebody that's negatively impacted. You know, whether, I po- whether I'm positively or negatively impacted by that particular program, I oppose it. I do not like theft. I do not have the right to steal from others, just like I don't think they have the right to steal from me. So that's how I wish more people approach these types of situations. Yes, we know that some people benefit from the Affordable Care Act. Some people do, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are stolen from, and those are not the people that CNN is talking to. CNN is now parading this gentleman around because he's an example of somebody who got an unearned gain from the Affordable Care Act. But there are plenty of other people out there who now either can't afford any health insurance at all and just have to pay the penalty, or they're paying more money for less coverage than they were in the past because they're subsidizing these types of things. Now, do I think absent the Affordable Care Act, this gentleman would not be in front of us today? I don't think so. I, I, I think people would have stepped up to the plate and helped him get the help that he needed. Now, of course, there's no way of knowing that for sure, but it's amazing to see what people can raise on GoFundMe when they're really in a dire position like that, you know, a life or death position, what they can raise. But the the bigger issue beyond that is that the reason why these types of procedures are so expensive is because of government involvement in the first place. So I think prices would be far lower and they wouldn't be priced out of reach of virtually everybody if the government wasn't so involved in the first place. So I think that's the fundamental issue that we need to come back to. But I I wanted to devote the end of this episode to talk about these people who all of a sudden came out in support of something because now they became somebody that had an unearned gain as a result. And before they were in a position of being somebody that was being looted from, that had unearned losses, and all of a sudden now they benefit so they come out in support of something. And I think that is a despicable way to live your life. I, th- I think it's a very unprincipled way to live your life. Either you have principles or you don't. Either you believe in theft or you don't. And if you don't believe in theft, you should not support it even when you were able to be the one that benefits from that theft. So here's one more clip, and this is a very similar type of situation. This is a gentleman speaking at a rally. He's younger than the first gentleman. I believe he's probably his late 20s, early 30s, but very similar situation. While attending college, I was diagnosed with a serious autoimmune disease. Devastation. Now labeled with a pre-existing condition, I am disqualified from any and all health insurance options. More devastation. I feel, I watch my body tearing itself apart, but I don't go to the hospital until I can barely move. It costs too much. After numerous hospital stays, I eventually drain all of my savings. Bankrupt. I cannot afford the surgeries I need to save my life. Literally a dead man walking. Hope gone. But then this guy signs this bill. And now I have access to health insurance and I receive the care that I so desperately need. Over the last several months, thank you. 
Over the last several months and several surgeries later, I can now say I had a serious autoimmune disease. You're too kind. The Affordable Care Act saved my life. I want to repeat that. The Affordable Care Act saved my life. <laughs> to be clear, I have never voted for President Obama, ever. I am a Republican who cursed his name, who falsely accused him, and someone who zealously worked to ensure that he would never be my president. But thanks to his fortitude, thanks to his unwavering vision of mercy, even towards me, this chump gets a second shot at life. So I apologize for playing that long extended clip, but I think it was important to get to the end there and talk about Obama's vision of mercy, his unwavering vision of mercy. Instead of thinking who actually enabled you to get the, the help that you needed. It was other people. It was not the hand of government. It was other people basically being forced to help you indirectly by paying higher premiums in order for this health insurance company to be able to offer health insurance to this gentleman uh, despite his pre-existing conditions. So those are the people you should be thanking. But of course, they're never going to phrase it that way because they think there is an unearned benefit. But all, like I said before, all unearned benefits come with unearned losses on the part of somebody else. And that's exactly what happened here as well. Now, I don't want to take away from how we should be, we should be very happy that this gentleman survived, that he's here to, to live another day and to hopefully live a long and fruitful life. Of course, that's the case. But... They're thanking the wrong people. They're thanking Obama like he basically paid out of his pocket for this gentleman to get the health care that he needed when that is not true at all. Um, so these are just two examples that I found pretty quickly. I've, the first gentleman I saw at the Paul Ryan town hall and then the other gentleman, I believe was a related video to that one, but very similar instances where people all of a sudden changed their mind because all of a sudden they could become the robber instead of the robbie. And I think it's just a despicable, amoral way to live your life. I'm not saying these two individuals are despicable and amoral, but they've been fed this for years upon years upon years, probably for their entire lives, that this is okay. And I think that it's it's not a moral precept that we should be we should be trying to hold society together through because all it causes is for us to resent each other when we see that this person is robbing me of of this this person is getting this unearned benefit and I'm paying for that unearned benefit all it causes is for us to resent each other these types of programs it causes resentment and that's once again why I called Bernie Sanders campaign a campaign of hate because that is necessarily what his types of policies imply. They imply some people having things forcibly taken and given to other people. So I think we need to really think about these types of policies and hopefully this can spark some discussion and some thought if, if you are somebody that does support the Affordable Care Act 
or supports single-payer health care and what that necessarily implies, that that necessarily implies force and theft. And more importantly, I think that these types of systems produce worse outcomes for everybody than an actual free market system would have. And I've talked about in many other episodes how I firmly believe, and I think it's been proven over time, that markets produce the most good for the most number of people, not these types of one-size-fits-all centralized types of systems. So not only should we oppose it on moral grounds, like I talked about before, not only is it morally reprehensible in my opinion, but I think it's also functionally worse than relying on markets. And I think we should not repeal and replace Obamacare. We should repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing and hopefully let markets work a bit more. Now, of course, the way that our healthcare system is, it's, it's not even close to being a free market. You have Medicare and Medicaid, and the government makes about 50% of all healthcare payments in the United States. So even taking Obamacare out of the equation, we're not close to having free markets in healthcare. And that's another big problem I have with the arguments in favor of the Affordable Care Act. It's the belief that, oh, well, we had, we, you know, we tried free markets already in healthcare and look at what happened. That's why we needed Obamacare to come in. Well, no, we did not have free markets in healthcare prior to the Affordable Care Act. We just did not. If the government's making 50% of the payments in any particular industry, it's not a free market. And anybody that tries to depict it that way is just being disingenuous. So I think moving toward free markets should be the goal here. Now, do I have any faith in the Republicans in Washington, D.C. to do that? No. I think they are just as in favor of big government as the Democrats are. What I'm hoping is they repeal Obamacare, can't pass any sort of replacement, and they haven't discussed what the replacement is because the replacement sounds a lot like Obamacare itself. So, uh, And it sounds like it would have to be drawn up similarly to the Affordable Care Act. So it sounds like they'd be doing something just for the sake of, of change and to not have Obama's name attached to it any longer. Uh, but let's repeal it and replace it with nothing. Let's let's get that out of the way, that one hurdle toward having actual free markets in healthcare. And then let's start chipping away at Medicaid or at uh, at Medicare primarily. Medicaid as well. I mean, I'm sure those two kind of get lumped in together when talking about those types of federal programs. But that's the battle we need to have. That's these are the discussions that I don't see out there in the mainstream that you're not going to see on CNN or Fox news or MSNBC. Uh, but we, we need to really think about when we dig down deep, what are the moral precepts behind these types of programs? So I hope this sparked some thoughts out there and some discussion I would love to discuss with anybody. Feel free to contact me on, on Twitter. My handle is at Mark guys, my name. I hope you enjoyed some of the, hopefully technological upgrades to the show to make this a little bit more of a a polished podcast. And hopefully I'll have another episode out for you soon. Thanks again for listening. 